Now we're joined by the experts at Vetify, a new data analytics and thought leadership company that is transforming financial services from an industry to a community, one relationship at a time. We can deliver value to that advisor because that's what they're telling that they want to engage in. We want to make sure that we're putting the right pieces of content in front of them at the right time. Tom, welcome back to the podcast. Good morning, Nate. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. How about yourself? I'm doing well, thank you. Well, look, I'm uh, I'm really looking forward to this because we periodically like to look at which ETFs are seeing the most engagement on the Vetify platform. And very simply, these are the ETFs that are most researched when people visit ETFtrends.com and ETFDB.com. Uh, th- there are no frills here, right? These are literally just the top 10 ETFs researched in the uh, the first half of the year. Now, as always, I have the uh, list in hand, and I'm going to do the old David Letterman reverse countdown, starting with number 10, which, by the way, were you a, uh, a David Letterman uh, fan back in the day? Did you watch him? Yeah, I toggled, I toggled between Leno and Letterman. Uh, liked them both, uh, and, and even like the new Netflix series with Letterman that he's uh, kind of taken a, a more intimate approach to his interviewing. So, yeah, I'm, I'm a fan. Didn't you have to be uh, one fan or the other, either Leno or Letterman? I didn't realize you could like both. That know. feels like the Yankees and the Mets, like like your fans of both of those teams. <laughs> I think it's cats and dogs. I think you can like both, <laughs> Nate. I think that, that with, with late-night television, you can straddle both, both of those lines. I always think uh, David Letterman just reminds me of the uh, the 90s. I just feel like that was the uh, the golden period, right? Uh, just with a guest he had on, and that was really when he was in his prime. So in any event, I uh, digress. So look, let, let's get to this list, and uh, I'll start with number 10. And I, I've got to tell you, Tom, I'm a little surprised by this one, uh, but you know, as I thought more about it, I guess it, it makes sense to some degree. And that's the ARK Innovation ETF, ticker ARKK. And I guess I'm surprised just because this thing is down like 52% year to date. But on the other hand, it's also Kathy Wood, right? And you think about the following that she's built. I think this shows she's not going anywhere. I, I, I think that this shows she's here to stay despite the performance. What, what did you think about this one? Yeah, so so Nate, maybe just before diving into ARKK, which is number ten on our list, uh, just to level set a little bit, uh, you, you teed it up really well at the start of the show. But one of the things that we're doing at Vetify, and honestly, one of the most interesting and unique aspects of of the data and analytics company that we're building is uh, the accessibility and the the mountain of data that we're sitting on. And there's a lot of different ways that we can slice and dice that data. Uh, you know, both through the lens of specific types of users like investment advisors or even specific types of advisors like an RAA versus a, a broker dealer. Um, but what this data set is, is a little different than some of the data, you know, we've discussed and batted around on previous ETF primes. Um, so this is the first six months of 2022. And this is actually the explicit search volume. So when someone, uh, uh, when any user, not specifically or only an advisor, when any of the users on the Betify platform, so on the URLs, etfdb.com or etftrends.com, when they're actually explicitly entering a search. So that it, it's a really high level of intent when someone does that. It's not just a, a interaction with a page that has this ticker or reading an article that features ARKK or any of these other nine tickers that we're going to talk about, it really is um, this user saying, I want to learn more about this ETF, and I'm going to be explicit about finding it on the Vetify platform. So <clears throat> with that said, 
your point is your your point's right. You know, so I think that um, ARKK is is both interesting and and some somewhat perplexing because of the performance story. But as investors and advisors embrace the Kathy Wood strategy and and are really leaning into sort of this innovative growth theme, um, it, it's showing the staying power. And she's she's built a brand and she's built a strategy where she's done a, a fantastic job with the team of analysts that she has educating uh you know the market about the strategy and and ultimately we're seeing that um if you are a long-term believer in it uh this could be an opportunity for you to uh reduce your cost basis so uh that's number 10 on the list yeah and i think it's been pretty well documented this year but you look at arkk it's taken in over one and a half billion dollars despite the the performance and i've said before i think investors they like this fund because they know exactly what they're getting here. They're, they're getting disruptive tech stocks. And for better or worse, Kathy has not veered from her strategy, right? And because of that, I think ARK investors can count on what she's going to deliver. It's something that traders can count on. So I think that's one audience, people who are wanting to play a bottom in uh, disruptive tech stocks. I think it's something that obviously, uh, you know, hardcore Kathy with loyalists, longer term investors in her strategy can count on. And, and honestly, Tom, it's something that short sellers can count on, that if they want to short the space, they know that they're shorting disruptive tech stocks. So it's a little bit ironic, but I think Kathy sticking with her approach was the best thing she could have done, even though, again, the performance has been uh, been challenged. So interesting uh, ETF to start the list. All right, the next two ETFs, and I'm going to combine these because they're in the same broad category. So number nine, is the Invesco Optimum Yield Diversified Commodity Strategy, no K-1 ETF, ticker PDBC. And number eight is the Invesco DB Agriculture Fund, ticker DBA. And, of course, commodities have been perhaps the biggest story in the markets this year. And while it's been a uh, a tough last two months, there, there has been a pullback. If you look at an ETF like uh, PDBC, that's still up nearly 25% on the year. And you may have seen this uh I think it was on Sunday, I tweeted out the performance of, of most of the major asset classes that are out there. Commodities top the list, and it's not even close, uh, just far and away the top performer. But any thoughts on uh, either of these ETFs? Yeah, no, I think they, the, the biggest thing with number eight and number nine on our list here, PDBC, as you mentioned, and, and DBA, both uh, commodities-related exposures, it, this is reflective and emblematic of the fact that uh, the market environment in the first half of 2022 is, is really very starkly and, and different than it was in 2021 or, or in 2020. And, and this is the reflection of something that we hear all the time through our survey data with specifically with, with the advisor community is that inflation and rising rates are one of the biggest concerns and, and how to uh, counteract any of the uh, effects or or negative uh, headwinds that those can provide in a portfolio. And I think that, the, you know, people looking at these options as ways of potentially doing that is certainly, um, you know, reflected here in the data where PDBC and DBA, for example, weren't even on the top 25 of, of top tickers when you look and compare this data to a year prior, so the first half of 2021. So to me, it just, you know, it's a sense of the market environment that we're in and how investors are looking to uh, mitigate the risks that are of top of mind for them. Yeah, and again, you look at uh, inflows here, these ones make sense. I mean, PDBC has about $3 billion in inflows uh, so far in 2022. DBA, about $850 million. Pretty good. I do think one of the 
interesting questions here, and I've thought a lot about this, is how advisors approach commodities. And, you know, you look back, so I ran a chart, this this was about a, a week or two ago, I ran uh, a chart of DBC, which is the Invesco DB commodity ETF. Uh, this one generates a K1. L- listen to this, Tom. If you go back, so this the inception of the CTF was 2006. You know what the total return is through uh, like a week ago? It was about 15%, like total. Mm-hmm. That was the total return. And I, I think what that shows is, uh, you know, commodities can be a tough place to to be in over the long term. And so I think advisors have a decision to make. Do you want to take a strategic allocation to commodities or is this something that should be played much more uh, tactically? I think there's a lot of debate out there. Uh, you know, I think uh, there's a there's a growing camp that would say commodities are the perfect uh, area to uh, to trend follow. Right. And, and you follow the trend, get in and out, depending upon whatever metrics you want to use. But uh, I think this will be interesting to watch going forward, because if we continue to see inflation and you have more investors gravitating towards commodities, is this something that they're going to hang with over the long term or is this going to be a tactical play? I, I think it'll be fascinating well, to watch. You're 100 percent right, Nate. It's, 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 it is a bit of an age old debate. Like it does do commodities uh, deserve and earn a position as a strategic long term allocation in an advisor portfolio. I think that that's, um, you know, a topic worthy of debate. The other you know thing to highlight here is that this is not only advisor research. So certainly when you look at retail investors or DIY folks running money on their own. Um, the tactical effects are probably coming in here, and, and there is and can be a little bit of a performance-chasing uh, element. And you look at the, the top 10 list here, the only thing that is really in the green are these two funds versus all of the other eight where year-to-date uh, we see a sea of red. So I think that that's the other thing to highlight there as well. No, that's a good point. I actually saw uh, Vetify. You had a piece yesterday on energy ETFs where – Really, the gist of the piece is that there have been outflows from energy ETFs overall. But uh, if you look at retail-specific flows, so this was data from Vanda uh, Research, it actually showed that retail was moving into energy ETFs over the past couple of months. I mentioned that there had been a fairly pronounced downturn here recently. So to your point, there there can be some differences here between the retail community and then you know, sort of the advisor and then moving up to the institutional uh, investor. Um, okay. I think the next ETF on the list is uh, definitely going to surprise some people. It's the ProShares Ultra Pro QQQ ETF, ticker TQQQ. So this provides three times daily leverage exposure to the NASDAQ 100. But (laughs) here's a kicker, and I'm actually going to discuss this topic with uh, Elizabeth Kashner later. This ETF is down over 60% year-to-date. Yet it's taken in nearly nine billion in inflows. I, I mean, you talk about lighting money on fire. <laughs> I, I guess again, I mean, do you think advisors are using this, or do you think this is all uh, retail? Yeah. So, so Nate, it's it's a little bit of a mixture, I think. Uh, but certainly, uh, the retail audience would be more highly engaged in a product like this. And and I'm, uh, you know, certainly not an advisor myself. So I'm I'm trying to study and analyze this data and. and you know, glean some insight from it. So like to your point, I, I, what surprised me was the size of this fund. So we're talking about a fund that has over $13 billion in assets, gives daily 3x exposure to uh, the NASDAQ 100. And so, you know, I think that the biggest thing that I'd want to emphasize and ensure that the audience understands is that whenever we talk about these, these leverage or inverse products, 
the way that they're constructed is to provide the daily exposure. And, and that's really, really important, especially for the retail audience. Sometimes they can um, think or, or feel that this is a longer term 3X leverage product, but it, it's not. And so, you know, to me, looking under the hood, understanding what this is going to do, uh, if there's a, a small allocation where you feel that that's going to be uh, helpful to the overall portfolio, just know what you're buying and understand how these products work, uh, especially products where we're seeing as much interest as we are, both through the engagement, number seven on our list across the Vetify platform, but also uh, in the flows, the $9 billion that you point to that has taken the fund over $13 billion in total. You are absolutely speaking my language. I mean, people have to understand how these ETFs work and you know, effectively, the more leverage you have and then the more volatility of the underlying uh, asset that you're tracking, the more uh, decay you're going to have over time, the, the, the bigger deviation you're going to have in returns from maybe what you're expecting. And, you know, you talk about retail. I'm not sure if you saw this. The, uh, the, the Wall Street Journal, they had an article over the weekend where they were talking about how retail traders are buying the dip in uh, tech stocks. And they noted that in July, that actually had the highest level of purchases by individual investors of a, uh, a popular basket of tech stocks. So this included like Fang and Microsoft, Tesla. But uh, the, the highest level of purchases since at least 2014. And uh, again, this was data from uh, Vanda Research. But he, here's the thing. They, uh, they also had a list of the top securities purchased by individual investors this year. And TQQQ was number four on the list. So this includes literally all stocks and ETFs. This TQQQ was number four overall from retail investors. That's pretty mind blowing. And, you know, again, Tom, to your point, I hope, uh, you know, people are, are doing their homework to understand how these products work. Um, okay. Well, no, ab- go ahead. Yeah. Absolutely, Nate. Well, yeah. So I was just going to say that's actually a, a perfect segue into number six on the list, which which is we actually started to see, and, and I did see that Wall Street Journal piece, which is a great piece. People should check it out. Uh, we started to see some of that sort of dip buying enthusiasm or research pop up on our list. And number six is, is the Vanguard uh, Information Technology ETF, ticker VGT. And so to your point, you know, some of the names like uh, Microsoft, Apple, NVIDIA, Visa, Cisco, you know, kind of uh, sprinkled in the all top 10 holdings. So people are certainly looking at what's going on in, in some of these broad major market indices like the NASDAQ 100 and thinking, um, you know, down over 20 percent kind of year to date sort of thing. And, and at times down even upwards of 30. And, you know, how do they how do they play that rebound or potential recovery in, in those areas, knowing that they had, you know, between the decade of 2010 to 2020, um, you know, just phenomenal returns and, and maybe thinking that there may be a bit of a boomerang effect there and, and, and that they're going to snap back. And so we saw that on number six on the list. I don't know what you read in the BGT, the Vanguard Information Technology, but, but that struck me as interesting as related to TQQQ and then also, you know, uh, investors and advisors doing some of the the dip buying uh, research. Yeah, I mean, the dip buying aspect definitely jumped out at me. But the other thing that I guess caught my attention was that it was the Vanguard tech ETF. I mean, you think about some of the other technology ETFs that are out there. I thought it was noteworthy that Vanguard popped up on your list. Yeah, well, you know, and it speaks to the brand. They've done just a phenomenal, you know, phenomenal job there. And, and I know that you and Todd uh, Rosenbluth, my colleague, uh, even last week touched on this. Is it's a bit of a machine, and and you know, people who are on the platform and and embrace the the products is uh, you know they're they're probably more likely to 
buy a Vanguard product than, than a competitive product once they've got those as anchors in their portfolio. So it's probably a little bit of, of seeing that. And uh, the team there does a great job educating their user base and, and the long-term nature of their holdings and all of those types of things. So that's probably playing into it as well. All right, so let's uh, unveil the uh, top five here now. So number five on the list is the Energy Select Sector Spider Fund, ticker XLE. Look, this one doesn't surprise me at all. I mean, you're talking about the top performing sector this year with energy. Though the one thing I'll add here is you, you look at the CTF, it's actually had outflows this year, which I find, which I found uh, you know, interesting just given how well this thing has performed. But any uh, quick thoughts on XLE? Yeah, really quick. Two things stood out to me, Nate, and again, just to you know, compare and contrast to this data set versus the one from 2021. Interestingly enough, so XLE sits in the number five position for year 2022, the year we're talking about. I looked at the data for 2021, and it was actually ICLN, iClean, and iShares Clean Energy ETF. Mm. And so I think that we're seeing um, this is reflecting a little bit of um, – you know, the market behavior and investor behavior where there, there's a, a, an ongoing debate about how to gain exposure to energy in general. And, and is there more of the transition element and a clean element, or is there more of a traditional exposure because that has performed quite well, as you mentioned, in year uh, 2022. So that, that stood out to me. The other point about, um, you know, the outflows is I think that, you know, in the entire sector suite, one of the things that the ETF industry has done as a whole is provide access in ways that you know, sort of deconstruct or, or provide even more granular exposures underneath um, sort of the sector level. And, and you, know, you see that in a lot of the thematic products that have come out. So there's just so many more options for investors and advisors to get these types of exposures with differing varies of granularity. And I think that that's um, also probably playing into uh, you know, some of the numbers that we're seeing here. Yeah, I'll just add here, if you look at the performance, so XLE believe it or not, was up nearly 70% for the year back in June. Now it's up around 40% or so. So you can see the pullback there. But in terms of the outflows, I, th- I think my take is, is I thought about this was just that I wonder if the sector spiders are used much more as trading tools, right? And and so, you know, you see flows kind of come and go and, and probably here recently go. And then I think the other thing, too, is just because energy had been pretty much dead money for so long, I, I wonder if longer term investors just aren't believers yet, right? That maybe they want yeah. to see more out of this space before uh, committing for the long haul. That was kind of the best I could come up with on the, uh, on the, on the outflows there. Um, well, I think, I think you're right, Nate, on, on the margin probably, but you know, actually is still a north of a $35 billion fund. So probably some of the, the tactical more uh, trader related flows are, are in and out, but there's certainly a, a you know, a long, um, you know, base of assets within that fund. So it's probably a little bit of both. All right. So the remaining four ETFs, I'm going to do something a little bit different here, Tom, but hopefully this will make sense. So I think, as you know, usually I try to build some suspense and do these one at a time, as I mentioned, Letterman style, but I'm going to give these all out at once because I think the talking points on these last four ETFs are actually pretty similar. So if you don't mind, let me give those uh, those top four, and then I'd love to hear your your comments. And Honestly, even if I wanted to try and build some suspense, I think this would probably be somewhat anticlimactic given the uh, ETFs. But let, let me toss these out. So number four on the list is the Vanguard Total Stock Market ETF, ticker VTI. Of course, this offers exposure to basically the entire U.S. stock market for three basis points, by the way. Uh, number three and number two on the list 
are two S&P 500 ETFs. So the Vanguard S&P 500 ETF, ticker VOO, and the Spider S&P 500 ETF, uh, SPY. And then big drum roll, number one on the list. This is the top ETF in terms of engagement on the Vetify platform so far this year. QQQ, the Invesco QQQ Trust, which, of course, holds the NASDAQ 100 stock. So, Tom, these last four ETFs, I mean, you think about this. These all tend to be core building blocks in a portfolio. These are four of the five largest ETFs that are out there. I guess I'll just put this back on you. I mean, what does this say about uh, Vetify's users that these were uh, the top four ETFs in terms of engagement this year? Yeah, Nate. So a couple of things jump out at me is, is uh, you're pointing out something that's really, really important. And ultimately, the, these core building blocks of you know being highly researched, I think it, it speaks to a sophisticated user base who understands that, well, sometimes, you know, media and others like to talk about sort of the, the hot sauce or hot dot uh, strategies and, and that sort of thing that may comprise a satellite or non-core position with the portfolio. Um, you know, get a lot of the attention. At the end of the day, I love your saying, Nate, where the best portfolio for an investor is one that they can stick with, um, because ultimately that's going to be, uh, you know, deliver the long-term kind of nature of what they're looking for in terms of exposure and, and, and their ability to ride any emotional kind of roller coaster up and down. And, and so these four ETFs, to me, talk to the sophisticated uh, user base across Vetify and then also speak to the disciplined approach of, of really putting those core uh, building blocks at, at front and center. And, and the other thing to, to point out here is that, you know, so uh, another S&P exposure, IBB, didn't crack the top 10. It was just outside. But, you know, just the thing that was striking to me is as you, as you look at those three S&P 500 exposures, SPY, VOO, and, and, and IBB, uh, nearly a trillion dollars in assets in total. And, and so, you know, just it also was interesting to me to think about where we've come as an industry and, and how this this delivery mechanism and the ETF technology and wrapper is just being so widely embraced with three products comprising nearly a trillion dollars in assets that are anchoring a lot of portfolios as, as a real true core position of, of long-term um, you know, U.S.-based uh, equity exposure. So that that was, you know, those two things were, were jumped off the page for me. No, I think that's well said. IBV jumped off the page at me as well, just not being on that list, given that it, it is one of the top ETFs by inflows this year. Uh, I'm showing nearly $16 billion into IBV. Well, SPY has lost about $25 billion. Uh, but, what, you know, I think what you said makes perfect sense. I'll also note, with these S&P 500 ETFs, don't forget about uh, SPLG, right? The uh, What I call mini SPY. So, you know, it's the uh, the State Street uh, version that is only three basis points. That has about $15 billion in it, so much smaller, but I, I think is uh, is growing pretty well. But I guess I'll just sum this up. As I thought about all the ETFs on this list, I think what you said was perfect. You look at these top four, these are core holdings, and then you look at the other ETFs we covered. So XLE, uh, VGT, uh, TQQQ, which I'll, I'll maybe set that one aside a little bit, but certainly DBA, PDBC, and ARKK. That's all the uh, the spice in a portfolio, right? That's Those are satellite positions. So you have kind of the core and explore here. And I think that fits really well with what advisors are, are looking to do and really investors as a whole. So I, I think good list, Tom. We're going to have to leave it there. Fun stuff. You know, I love going through uh, this type of data. It's just such a great window into what advisors and investors are doing. But uh, thank you for joining me this week. Thanks, Nate. Have a great day. That was Tom Hendrickson, Chief Product and Innovation Officer at Vetify.